0: On this week's episode of Two Views Movies, we're reviewing the Ryan Johnson directed murder mystery, Knives Out, sponsored by the Buffalo Funds. Want to ring the bell? All right. Ding, ding. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies, a spoiler-filled podcast from Kansas City, Missouri by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we're talking Ryan Johnson, Knives Out, huge cast, murder mystery, whodunit. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, have you been looking forward to this? I feel like I kind of have. Not hugely, but enough.
1: I was looking forward to the cast. Uh, Okay. Ryan has not... uh, impressed me in the past but uh i really was looking forward to a a whodunit and kind of a mystery and trying to figure it out you know through the whole movie i I really enjoyed doing that in
0: movies and so when it's designed that way i was excited so besides last jedi and looper have you seen i think he's got brick and maybe one other movie which i don't think i've seen so my my ryan johnson filmography consists of well now this and the last jedi and looper is that where you're at
1: uh, I have seen Brick, but it was okay. many moons ago. Uh, okay, it didn't. I mean, it was it was all right. Okay, but it didn't stand out. But I didn't know who Ryan Johnson was at the time when I saw it.
0: Sure, I remember Looper really wanting to like that because it's kind of right up my alley. But I when I checked Letterboxd, it kind of matched my memory that uh, I, I liked it. Uh, three and a half is what I gave Looper, so I feel like this is just kind of like, okay, good, but probably for a sci-fi time travel movie, that three and a half is kind of low for me.
1: Yeah, I liked the idea, and I liked um, Jordan as... And Joseph Bruce, <laughs> you combine. Yeah, I know I do that all the time. That's why I, I paused and I waited and I was like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jordan Gordon. Uh, dang it, dang! It. I knew I was going to do that too, and that's why I stuck with the first name. And then I botched yeah. that. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I thought he did uh, a great job of uh, being a young Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, they they made him look perfect, and they let Bruce Willis just be Bruce Willis because he wasn't going to be able to be anybody else. Sure. But the ending and how that all wrapped up I was not
0: not satisfied with. Yeah. Well and our last Jedi thoughts are pretty well documented on episode one of Two Views movies. Right. <laughs> so if you're curious where we stood on that, please by all means go check out what we sounded like on our very first episode ever. I may have to go check that out. <laughs> but I'm the same as you. I actually the cast was What kind of lured me in? And then I think it's impossible not to want to see a whodunit. Like what kind of person doesn't want to see that kind of movie, right? Because I feel like that's the best kind of movie going experience usually is something that keeps you on your toes, something that keeps you guessing. And I know you and I have a long track record of We've seen enough movies where we try and figure things out, which is stupid. Like, we should just sit back and enjoy it. But I think neither one of us can turn our brains off like that. So, to then be presented with something that's supposed to be a puzzle is something that I think you and I would both go into really wanting to enjoy. Yeah. Well,
1: we want to be surprised, and we don't want it to be, you know, just stereotypical. Oh, it's exactly who I thought it was, mm-hmm. or exactly how this movie was su- supposed to end. We want to be surprised in movies, and even though we're trying to figure out the surprise. We're often disappointed when it goes just, you know, run-of-the-mill, you know? Right. And so, yeah, it it ruins some of our movie-going experiences, but uh,
0: part of the fun is also trying to figure it out. Agreed, which will be very interesting to then talk about this movie because it does some things kind of unique to a whodunit that I'm interested to talk about. So before we get into that, let's uh, get a word from this month's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by the Buffalo Funds, a family of mutual funds based here in Kansas City. When the stock market goes down, it may be a great time to contribute to your individual retirement account or IRA. Don't wait until the end of the year. To get your free IRA investing report, go to buffalofunds.com backslash podcast. You can open up an account online directly with the Buffalo Funds and choose from their mix of U.S., international, dividend, or income funds. That's buffalofunds.com backslash podcast. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses must be considered carefully before investing. The summary and statutory prospectuses contain this and other important information about the investment company may be obtained by calling 800-492-8332 or visiting buffalofunds.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual fund investing involves risk, principal loss is possible. The Buffalo Funds are distributed by Quasar Distributors, LLC. So thank you again for Buffalo Funds for sponsoring this episode yep and i think we will still have openings in january so if you're interested shoot us an email at twoviewsmovies at com if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast for january and having said all that let's get into our letterbox blurb when renowned crime novelist harlan thromby is found dead at his estate just after his 85th birthday the inquisitive and debonair detective benoit blanc is mysteriously enlisted to investigate from Harlan's dysfunctional family to his devoted staff, Blanc sifts through a web of red herrings and self-serving lies to uncover the truth behind Harlan's untimely death. We mentioned this already, but it's directed by Ryan Johnson of Last Jedi, Looper, and Brick fame. And we also mentioned the cast, which is huge, so we'll go through them. Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna DeArmas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, and Jaden Martell. So, I think the best place to start is to just dive right into something that this movie did that was fairly unique, I guess, for this kind of murder mystery whodunit movie. And that is show you how the crime was done in the first, what, 30 minutes? (laughs) Right. You're starting right there. Okay. Yeah, I think you have to because a typical murder mystery is going to that's going to be the end, right? The reveal will be who did it and how they did it. And you won't know really any of the details until that point. But this movie decides to go about it a different way and say, we're going to show you exactly what happened and how it happened. And really the question then becomes the why or the who still. But I just thought it was an interesting way of framing it. It was an attempt to be different for sure. So what did you think about that? I thought that ruined the movie. Okay.
1: It, it showed him slit his own throat, and it's like, okay, well, now we know who done it, and I don't even know what I'm trying to figure out or where this movie's going from here because they just showed me. Okay, that that's where my my
0: mindscape was, and okay, well, that's where I get that. That's where your mind was when it happened. Did. Did your mindset change throughout the movie as it started to evolve more? So, I mean, I can kind of get that initial sense of, "Uh, okay, now what? What did that sense stay with you throughout the whole movie? Or did that kind of leave after you kind of reoriented yourself to now they've told me exactly what happened, but there's still something else to be solved?
1: No, because the rest seemed like minute details that didn't matter to me. Okay. Yeah, it seemed like fluff and like white and it was more, why did they just show us that that scene could have been at the end and we still could have been trying to figure all this out up until this point.
0: Yeah. I think I, I appreciate it. It was an attempt to do something different. And I, even now that the movie's over, I'm still okay with it because I think it still could have done the murder mystery aspect of it in the way it tried to do it, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't have a problem with how it tried to do this stuff. I guess I think that it just kind of slipped a little bit on execution. I'm okay with throwing everything on its head by showing you what happened and then still having some mystery play out to figure out exactly who was involved and why. I just don't think it did it very well. So it's less a problem of like the order of construction and less more of a problem of the execution. If that makes any sense. Well, see, so when they showed him in the, in the loft
1: doing, with the medicine Mm -hmm. and she said she switched the vials, my mind immediately went to, well, somebody switched the vials already. And so I was already on that path. And then when that didn't work, they came in and killed him. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's where my mind was going there of, they realized that the, the normal dosage didn't kill him. Um. and so someone snuck in there and slit his throat after the fact. And so that's that's where my mind was going. And then they showed him slit his own throat, and I'm like, okay. So now my I was like, none of this matters now. Because he killed sure. himself. And so yeah. that's and so I didn't I didn't even know what I was I was trying to do at that point. Right. It was uh, more trying it, to get her out of that situation. It came more of a
0: a crime escape type movie than a whodunit to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that 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 touches on a little bit of my issue with it is less about what it tried to do and more about that the guessing sort of stops and it just becomes more, I don't know if procedural is the right word, but it doesn't really keep you guessing the rest of the movie. It, it really plays its cards close to the vest a little bit and almost too much to the point where I don't feel like, let me rephrase that, I feel like the movie relies on the audience to guess because it knows that it's that type of movie, as opposed to the movie presenting you options to then guess and sort of hang yourself with each guess about what's happening. And I think that's where the problem lies with giving away how it all went down in the beginning is that, and you said this, you don't really know where you're supposed to be guessing, right? Like, Sure, you know that there's probably some ulterior motive from somebody else, but I don't think the movie really lays that out very well for you.
1: No, I I agree completely, and I liked how they they set up the beginning with everybody being interviewed and seemingly everybody was lying and everybody had a motive. You know, that's what you want, and I'm like, okay, we're we're getting into this. You know, it could be anybody, and so you're trying to guess by all their stories of what's going on you know, in their interviews, and then it kind of drops all that, I feel.
0: Yeah, I I thought the opening interviews were extremely well-written, extremely well-filmed, and the editing was perfect. The way it would bounce back and forth between some of the characters with the same questions being asked, and you're being introduced to Daniel Craig's character by just sitting there hitting a piano, and like Keith Stanfield's character is really great. I mean, that opening was really, really well done, but I agree with you that while I, well, I don't think it bothered me as much as it did you, I do think that that decision to, to show us what happened, it, it needed to be followed up with a, okay, well, what are we guessing next? Because it never presents that question. Like it tells you that Marta and uh, Harlan mapped all this out and, and went to go do that. So what are you supposed to be guessing at that point? I guess you're just supposed to assume that somebody else was involved, even though the movie never really posits until very later on that there is somebody else involved.
1: Right. And so I was at the, I was sitting there thinking, okay, so Harlan hired James Bond to figure this out. That's where I was at. And he had planned that he was going to kill himself you know so his family would do something and so i i was on the i was on the the why would he do that uh yeah. track of he switched the vials you know so she would do that to him and then uh she messed up and so he killed himself to still have this whole plan in motion um but i didn't know the why he was just ready to die and wanted to see his i was like well he wouldn't get to see his family and they all saw his body like none of it was making sense of the, the why this was going down to me. But that yeah. was the route that I was going was uh, was this was all Harlan's plan because he wrote murder mysteries. And so mm-hmm. I thought he was trying to be in one and that uh, that didn't play out either.
0: Yeah, that was kind of my twofold of thought in the beginning as well was either one that he had like either suspected that somebody in his family was always going to off him. So he kind of had this default will set up where it, the minute something happened to him, he was wiring X amount of dollars to the detective to investigate because he was just always suspicious that something would happen. That was one place my mind went. And then the other was that this was all an elaborate ruse by him. Now, especially because he mentions prop knives very early on. And I would have supremely hated that right if like his suicide had somehow been faked which i I didn't think the movie even tried to present that which is why i was like okay i I stopped myself pretty quickly on that one because i'm like this is gonna be a terrible movie if they try and do that so it's called knives out
1: and they mentioned prop knives only to set up the last scene Mm -hmm. i mean is that the whole reason for it or did i miss something else
0: No, I I don't. Or to to have that cool visual of the knives all around. I don't know if... There might have been a line here or two in the beginning about one of his books and and those knives tying into that. I'm not really sure. Other than maybe the dude just... It it looked cool because he's into murder mysteries and having a big thing of knives just looks really cool. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that prop knife line is only for later because it's not like... I mean, they make an explicit point to say that he doesn't turn his books into movies, so he shouldn't have, like, movie props around anywhere, right? So there's really not a lot of a reason for him to have prop knives in his house. Yeah, I didn't understand much of that, of why that was there. I think it probably just because... If you looked at the whole rest of his house, there was all sorts of, like, macabre decor of, you know, weird murder mystery type stuff in a Clue house. I mean, it kind of fit with the ambiance. I think it probably just looked cool visually and seemed like something that a guy who writes murder mysteries would have in his house in that kind of old timey house so I was fine with it but I can appreciate the payoff of the prop knife but yeah you're right there's really no reason to have that happen other than the fact that he says it in the beginning and and I do feel like the writing in this at least as far as that goes he he does place a lot of nuggets throughout the movie that he pays off later and now whether they're like awesome or cool is kind of one thing but it, it is a I think it's a really well written movie from that regard. I think it would have been cool if
1: they had a you know like when they were all doing their stories they had their version of the story and so it's kind of mm-hmm. different. Like all of them standing around Harlan when the, the cake was brought out they each showed how close they were to their dad or grandfather or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was, that was funny because you, you get an idea of okay what she said may not be what actually happened. Right. And so I was kind of bracing myself for that and then I was like, well, they're not going to show Marta's view of him killing himself. He did it right in front of her as not what happened. And I was really, really hoping they would not make Marta the killer because I would have been very, very disappointed if that was the case.
0: Yep. I I agree with that completely. I did like the thing you mentioned, too, because there was a lot of things that they did like that. So the birthday cake was one. Um there's some other things like where Don Johnson was like waving Marta into the room. Like initially they show that in the movie and it's, it looks like, you know, Hey, you're part of the family. Come here. But then later on you figure out that it's a discussion about illegal aliens that he's bringing her into. Right. Um, Did you catch that every time somebody in the family references her nationality, it changed. (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. That was something so subtle that I found absolutely hilarious. And it reminded me so much of clue where it's like, It's so subtle that if you don't catch it, I mean, it can just go right over your head, but if you do catch it, it's just funny enough that every time, one time she's Ecuadorian, from Paraguay, Brazilian, it just changes every time. And it, I mean, it it fits with the family's character too, that they just don't give a shit about her in reality, that she's just a nurse that's helping their dad and they don't really care so that they don't know her actual nationality, but they change it every time they say something.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, Don Johnson, his... I was trying to think of all the people
0: that, that said something, but yeah, they all and she never says where she's from, does she? Um I I thought they might have said or maybe Harlan said it or something. I think there's an initial truth, like I know the I think the first one we heard was Ecuadorian, and I just don't yeah. know if that's right or not. But I know it changes at least three times after that. Yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis started it, and then Don Johnson
1: said it and I was like, well, he's clearly wrong. And then they kept going with that, with that joke, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then, yeah. uh, and I think we looked it up on the way home of what the actress was. Yes. You know, but she's so, Cuban. Yeah. And so, but I don't think they ever said that in no. the movie. Yeah. And so, but no, I did like that. I would have liked when those flashbacks or, or the storytelling kind of show them all at some point in time with a knife, even though the murder weapon was right there you know, mm-hmm. in his hand, it would have been nice to tie it back to the title a little bit more, you know, just to, just to show them all, they could have been sinister at some point. Cause they're all holding a knife at some point in time. Yeah. You know, something like that. Cause if it feels like the entire lead up is just for that insane, scene, the, the
0: title, the chair, all that is just to have a, a payoff of it's a prop knife. Sure. Well, and I mean, knives out, obviously means you know that people have their knives out for him but that's not really the sense that the movie had like nobody was really or i guess i guess it's the metaphorical right they all have knives out for each other too because there's a whole lot of family turmoil and they all think that they're self-made even though they're not so i I get it i think it's a cool title and it references more of the metaphorical sense than the literal sense which is fine for me yeah Okay, so let's talk about the cast a little bit because it's obviously gigantic and there's a lot of different characters happening here. Did you have any that stood out for you? Good or bad? Oh, either way. Yes. Care yes, to elaborate?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Daniel Craig, his accent was horrendous. Really? I I absolutely hated... I was like, why is he Southern? You could have made him English and it would have been... Just fine because his southern accent is was so distracting to me. I, I I didn't get the the why cast him if you want a southern person, and this seems very, very foghorn leghorn.
0: I think that was the intent though, to make him sound foolish. Well, I think it's just when you look at like say the accent of Kenneth Branagh in Murder on the Orient Express. Like, I just think it's an attempt to go the Sherlock Holmes or I forget how you say his name, Poirot, Pl- whatever he is. And um I, I just think it's an attempt at satire a little bit on the um detective who knows all, has the accent that comes in and solves everything. And they just gave him like an overly ridiculous American Southern accent. And with his name being... uh gosh, Benedict, or no, Benoit Blanc. It's It sounds French, like that's what you would think, but it's really like almost a Southern Creole type accent. And I thought it worked for me. I, I didn't take it to be serious or that he's supposed to be highly intelligent because of his accent. I just thought it was a funny thing to do. So
1: did you want him to be able to figure it out? Or did you think he was... So basically, in your mind, he was Columbo.
0: Yeah, Play, I think dumb. that's what they always presented him as playing dumb. that well, actually, knew what he was doing. I don't think they. I don't think he was ever playing dumb. I think he was actually played very smart, and all the things that he would say. But he had colloquialisms that were very, you know, Southern American. That you know, the whole thing about the donuts and stuff like that. That I think is just a funny way of presenting this guy who is smart and is a good detective because he had a huge piece in the New Yorker. But his initial appearance and the way he sounds kind of conflicts with that. But I, I'm I'm okay with that kind of dissonance. I thought that was good. I was I
1: was hoping that he got it wrong. I was hoping that he was gonna do this big elaborate thing with Chris Evans and he was wrong. And then you, we find out later what, what actually happened. But and maybe like the New Yorker was, you know, him accidentally finding out who did it type of thing <laughs> and so so i i was really hoping not for a colombo or not for a sherlock holmes type scenario i just wanted him to be there and trying to figure it out and not be able to
0: <laughs> i i don't think that would have worked i think you would have had to have played that through the whole movie you you can't have him asking these very pointed questions in the beginning that are highly intelligent, probing questions that are getting people to lay things out, or him piecing together pieces of evidence as he goes along, and then in the end have him be way off base. I think that just doesn't—that's a weird payoff. I think you would have to have him being incompetent the whole time. But what did he really figure out? I mean, sure, he's asking more questions— well, sure, but I think that was his whole thing, right? Was that he says it over and over again. His philosophy on solving these things is that the truth has a natural gravity and his job isn't necessarily to piece it all together. It's to go ask the questions and follow the evidence to the point where the truth finally just reveals itself. That He makes multiple references to that. Well, I would have preferred him been wrong. <laughs> that would that, have made for a better movie for me. I don't think you could do that. Without having him be an imbecile the whole time, I, I can you cannot play him smart for ninety eight percent of the movie and then have him be dumb for the last two percent. That I, I think that's a weird thing to what, do.
1: But was he being smart? Because I, I mean, I feel like you know, with Marta running around and doing everything behind his back, he was still trying to figure it out, and she was covering things up, and and so it's not like what, he was he was very astute to those those things. He told her though at the end he
0: knew from the beginning she was imbelled. right, which which was you find out at the end. Well, right, but I mean, that's part of murder mysteries, though, right, is that he, you find things out in the end that were there the whole time. We knew halfway through the movie there was blood on her shoe, but we didn't find out to the end that he noticed there was blood on her shoe at the very beginning. Well, right, but he didn't have to know that. I'm just saying, for my ending to work.
1: Sure. I, look, he was played I, like, a, like, a, like a fool. And I wanted
0: him to be the fool. When you think that he's being <laughs> Columbo and figuring it all out, and then it's like, nope, me, you got it wrong. The, but the only reason you're saying that is the accent. If he had a British accent, you wouldn't be saying that. But they gave him an American Southern accent, which sounds stupid.
1: Well, I, I did not No, I did not like the accent, but I also did not like the way the movie played out, and I was hoping there'd be some sort of twist at the end, and there wasn't. Sure. And so that's, that's why I wanted him to be wrong
0: at the end, um, because he's laying it all out, and it's like, that's it? And I think that I, I can get behind that. I, and that's where I think going way back to the beginning of the episode where I think they didn't give you enough to be able to guess at. And unfortunately, it became more procedural, which is just like, okay, now you, instead of having me as the viewer guess, you're just going to just lay things out sort of methodically. And it just becomes this slow reveal of, it just felt like a normal movie at that point and less of a whodunit because you didn't even know what your target was like. Technically, the movie didn't have to have ransom do anything. It could have just been, it comes to a nice, you know, bow on it end where they all come together and realize it was all just a mistake, and Marta didn't really do anything. So, I, I totally get your point on that, and and I will backing up, I partially agree with you on the Daniel Craig thing. I do think that at times he was a bit hit and miss. Just overall, I felt like he was more hit than miss, but there were definitely scenes like. The whole donut thing that they try to do, I get the like southern affectation around it, but I didn't really think it was overly funny. But there were also things like when he says that the kid was the Nazi masturbating in the bathroom, that was hilarious to me. So there were just things that worked and things that didn't. But I didn't expect him to be anything other than he was, which was the uber detective.
1: Well, I did like the rest of the cast uh, because if you look at every single one of them, they look like they could be a murderer. You know, sure. you look like at M- Michael Shannon or even Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, you know, uh, you, you look at them and you're like, yeah, that person could be a murder. That's believable if they killed somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they have that in them in real life. <laughs> in real life. <laughs> <laughs> what about no, Chris said, Evans? Uh, sure. I mean, Chris could have that, that dark side to him.
0: Yeah. C- Captain America's hiding something. You you know he deliberately asked for this role, right? Like I I haven't read anything, but this feels like one of those where after people play a good guy for so long, they're like, okay, I I want to be the bad guy. At least let me be the murderer. You know? Yes. Let me
1: be an asshole. Let me be a murderer. You know I want to drop as many f bombs as I can.
0: <laughs> Get me out of that. Uh, yep. Captain America typecast. Completely agree. So so you, I take it you liked pretty much the rest of the cast. I did. I did. I yeah.
1: thought everybody did uh did really well. Um, I'm I'm scrolling through IMDb and I, um, other than uh, what Thirteen Reasons Why girl, um, which she was fine, yeah, uh, but everybody else I felt was was good.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I was really, it, I struggled with our casting change for later because uh, I thought that everybody, not only did they do a good job of acting, but I actually thought like when I was thinking about who I would cast in that role other than them, I was just kind of struggling. I'm like, I mean, they all feel right. And not that a lot of them have like super well-defined characters. Like, I mean, Don Johnson and Tony Collette, like, are they huge characters? No, but like what you're presented of them in the movie. Yeah. Okay. It feels right. Like they got it right. Yeah. She's another one that she
1: could definitely kill somebody. Sure. I would like to see more of uh, like Keith though. He didn't have as big of a part as I thought he was going to. No, the the
0: straight cop,
1: yeah, and he just wasn't in as many scenes. He kind of—it's almost as if they forgot about him, yeah—and then brought him back at the very end and said, "Oh yeah, this guy."
0: Uh, yep, I completely agree, and I thought he did a good job just playing because you have Benoit Blanc, who is you know the know it all, and then you just have like the regular two guys, the beat cops, kind of that are trying to sort all this out, and they think it's just a quick suicide, blah. blah. And so I get the characters, but yes, I completely agree. I thought. Lakeith did great in every scene that he was in, especially in the opening interrogation scenes.
1: Yeah. And the the piano thing. So I thought that he was learning from him. I thought he was mm-hmm. like an understudy. And then you get to the, the piano part and you figure out that he is just a beat cop. Like, why is he
0: uh, taking direction from a, a private eye? Yeah, I didn't quite understand that either. Because every time he plays the note, it's like, lakeith was trying to almost get back on track or change questions so i thought there was something there but they just never really dove into that well i got him back on track it was like they were trailing off to
1: something and the piano brought him back to the the questions that he was supposed to be right. asking yeah yep but i thought again he was an understudy learning from him learning from this master detective but that's not how that played out either yep so really, I mean, my overall take on this is I, I wanted a murder mystery. And even, so I saw a screening of this and Ryan Johnson had a little promo for for the press saying, you know, this is a done It's going to keep you guessing to the end and don't ruin the, the ending. No spoilers, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was, you know, he was even, you know, pumping it up as it's going to keep me on my toes the entire movie. And they showed me what had happened and I was I was very disappointed. And then I was thinking, I was like, I hope that that wasn't just a a dream because they didn't even set that up of it was part of her story. And so I didn't know how they were going to do this uh, of him slitting his own throat. I just I did not like how that all played out. I And I thought it was a very easy solution to just move that scene to the end of how it happened because you still could have had Chris Evans sneak in there and slit his throat. And sure. so at least, at least you still have that possibility, or even Jamie Lee Curtis going upstairs and slitting his throat, you know, at least everybody is still a suspect at that point. Right. And so that, that's kind of where, where it left me.
0: Yeah. I think that my main problem with that, how they did it was <laughs> the logistics of it are a little hard to believe, not from the actual murder, but so the dude gets injected with, you know, the morphine, he's got five minutes before symptoms kick in, 10 minutes before he dies. And he just hatches like the perfect plan for her to somehow go do all this stuff. Like, I know he's a murder mystery writer and stuff, but the fact that he just recites all this stuff, like you have to go here and turn by here and then come back up and then climb up the thing and do this and do that. Like, I was sort of like, okay, that, that feels like a bit much. I I really enjoyed the way that scene was filmed. Um, I thought it was like the only tense movie in the whole scene or sorry, the only tense scene in the whole movie. But it was just a little far-fetched that he could divulge all these plans to her in that short amount of time. And then overall, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I just feel like if you're going to give away what happened, you need to then follow it up quickly with the new question, right? So you're answering the one question of who did it and what happened at least in the context of that but then you have to immediately follow it up with another question so that the audience can then chase the rest of the time and i feel like it never posed that question it just relied on the fact that you know you're watching a murder mystery so you're going to assume there's more to the story than what we're telling you but you don't really have any idea of what it is so i guess just sit here and hold tight as we just kind of unveil it slowly and i think that's what didn't work not necessarily having the scene be what it was
1: yeah, it's just uh, how is Marta going to get away with it, but she also knows the truth, and we're not even trying to figure out what else is going on because you showed it to us. She accidentally poisoned him, right. and then he killed himself, and so she's just trying to cover up her tracks. But yep. uh, he, mentioned, he mentioned that scene where he's telling her what to do, and you got to think of what she's thinking. Put on my robe and go downstairs and pretend you're me. Like, what? Yeah. Like, he can only see through the fog, <laughs> the foggy glass. Well, and I'm like, yeah, pretend exactly. y- the, the pretend you're me piece was the one that I kind of groaned at. But I did yeah. like the turn after the cameras can't see if you turn after, you know, he would know that sort of stuff, you know, sure. but the pretend you're me that that one is, was a, a stretch for me. Well, because he knew about the glazed glass, they couldn't see through it. Yeah, but nobody
0: else was downstairs, you uh, know, no. I know. Right. That's why I'm saying it's all just hey, a little bit. Hey, Marta, why are you wearing
1: his robe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it hits all the beats right of a murder mystery. It just it, it does not pose the right questions. And if you're if you're going to try and flip the script, so to speak, on a murder mystery and tell you the answer to the murder mystery in the first 30 minutes, you just need something else for the audience to then sink its teeth into other than just... Like, cause you really just don't know where you're going at that point. Like, what what am I solving after this? Like, just that Marta's trying to get away with it, like that. But that's not a mystery, like you said. That's just a how does she get away with it? And I get that later on there becomes more things to it, but it it just doesn't have that big question that you're supposed to be chasing. I don't feel like agreed. All right, are we running out of things to say? Then We're running out of things to say. All right, let's get to it. I am Thor, son of Odin as long as there is life in my breast I am running out of things to say Are you ready? What'd you rate it? I ended up
1: giving it a three and a half But I think the more I, I talk about it I think I'm closer to a three Okay um, I liked majority of the acting I thought it was well shot I didn't like the order of events uh, as I mentioned before, and I also didn't think that it was um, a whodunit, and mm-hmm. so because it was marketed so hard that way, uh, that I wonder what I would have felt like just walking into it not
0: knowing what it was. Uh, yeah, but I feel like it tells you very quickly that it's a murder mystery, like very, just from. True. I mean, so like true. you're gonna know in the first ten minutes what you're what you're dealing with here.
1: Yeah. And so I, I didn't I just didn't like how it was it was all done because as we've mentioned many times it uh it revealed
0: itself way too soon. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm the same as you. I'm at a three and a half. I, however, I think have a different feel on this. Um I, I did debate between a three and a three and a half coming out of the movies, and I, I'm being a little bit generous on a three and a half, I think. I'd probably be like a three two five. However, I do think that this is a movie that's going to benefit from repeated viewings more so because I guess it doesn't rely on that murder mysteryness of it that kind of has a, um, what would I say, like a, murder mysteries can sometimes have like a short shelf life because once the mystery is gone, you, I mean, do you really want to watch it again? Whereas this movie, the characters and the writing and some of the subtleties that we talked about, about the different perspectives, and I think there's some funny stuff that happens that's just subtly funny. Um, we mentioned a few of it, like the nationalities changing, stuff like that. I feel like that's going to be more enjoyable the more you watch it and the more you pick up on things that were kind of ancillary to the mystery. So I I actually feel like this movie could get a little bit better on repeat viewings, Um doesn't change where I'm at now. Still three and a half, but I, I want to see it again, but for different reasons than what its main focus is. How did you feel about her throwing up? You know, I'm torn. I'm really torn. It was such a over the top thing to do. Um, that I I didn't. I mean, it seems like honestly, in some ways, it seems like lazy writing in the sense that it's such an easy out that you can then have her puke anytime that so it's painfully obvious to every character and every audience member that she's lying um i think they used it fairly effectively but i I can't decide on whether it was just something kind of not cool but unique that they put in there to have fun with or it was lazy writing i can't tell
1: i was on the side of lazy writing and then i was thinking is she faking this somehow like where did the genesis of this start uh, and then she uh threw up in the cup when the cop walked away i was like okay she wouldn't fake throwing up so this is a real thing i guess yeah mm-hmm. uh, she wouldn't fake throwing up when no one's watching um, right. and then uh, it it seemed like this is kind of i maybe this disease exists i don't know does it I've never heard of it before. (laughs) It it may, uh, maybe they made it up. You know, it seemed odd, and it seemed like their only way to move the story along. But like you said, the the lazy writing piece of it definitely stuck out
0: to me. Yeah, yeah, and and I think part of it was also that because this movie wasn't overly goofy, and that kind of was. I mean, the only two goofy things about the movie are really uh, the throwing up and Daniel Craig's accent. So right. I mean, it does kind of have some fun with the concepts, uh, fun to the audience, but not fun to the people in the movie, if that makes sense. But the, the puking thing is just so absurd that it, I just, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for you. I couldn't quite get a feel for what I thought about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of took her out of the uh, the running for things. And yes. I think you wanted her involved in what's going on. Right like even at up to the end i kind of wondered if
0: yeah yeah even at the end i kind of wondered if she was in with chris evans on this the whole time but that's just me you know trying to outthink movies trying to make it better <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> so what was uh what was your favorite scene um there's a lot of funny stuff that goes on but i i think i was torn between The interrogations at the beginning, just because I liked what it was setting up. I liked the characters it was introducing. I liked how it was edited and cutting through. But I kind of ended up going with the scene where it's kind of revealed what Marta and Harlan did. And not just, I mean, we talked about how I didn't really like how he laid it all out, but that was the one scene in the movie where I felt like it was tense where I wasn't actually sure where things were going and why it was going this way. And I wasn't even sure if she intentionally messed up or not. So it was kind of the pivotal moment of the whole movie, both in terms of structure and like intensity. So I went with that one, but the interviews in the beginning was kind of a a close second.
1: Yeah. I went with the interviews at the beginning, but no, I agree with you. And I was trying to think back to, she was telling him that story is that how we saw all that? She was telling the detective that story. Um how is that introduced? Because I d I don't remember how well I guess no, because she yeah, had to hide have the have videotape. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I forget how it was introduced. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I just don't know if they cut to it or what. And so there I, had I remember reason why. But but I agree with you
1: in that the tense of it but I was more involved thinking okay what's happening now because these are all going to be clues right and so I remember you know kind of looking around and and trying to like this is me trying to figure it out and that I really enjoyed that piece but then uh, they showed him kill himself and so that took that scene out of it uh, for me but I did really enjoy the, the interviews at the beginning with them all telling kind of different stories and you get to introduce all the characters and they all had motives and I I did like that because it I was in and I was I was trying to figure them all out and I was trying to guess who did it. Like, <laughs> yep. oh it's Jamie Lee. It's gotta be Jamie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> right. From from the poster, that that's that's who I thought it was. Oh really? I, yeah. I was just looking at the uh my wife and I were going looking at the the poster before the movie started, uh at the screening and like mm, uh they all look like they could, but my money's on Jamie Lee.
0: <laughs> yeah, well and as as an audience goer, like that, she was the one that didn't really have any motive. If you exactly. think about it, exactly. She she was the.
1: <laughs> that's what my wife told me at the end. Like she was the only one. She was the the good one of the group. She actually right. loved her father and actually did, built her own business and didn't need the money. You know, all, yep. all is like I picked the wrong, the only <laughs> one that wasn't <laughs> a suspect. Right.
0: So what would you change about this? Yeah, I'm not going to elaborate. I. I'm okay keeping the reveal the way it was. You just got to give the audience something to go after after that. And I just don't feel like this movie did that. It needed that second question. If you're going to answer the first one, you got to present an equally big second question. I just don't think it did that.
1: Yep. Uh, I just moved the reveal. I'm fine with it. I just moved it to the end. Yeah. So All right. Fair beat enough. that one. Beat that <laughs> one to death already. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. casting change. You said you didn't have one.
0: Or you struggled uh, with. Yeah, so I'll let you. One. I'll let you go first, and then I'll. I'll you're just gonna steal mine. mine. Is that nope. what you're saying? <laughs> no, nope, maybe I don't know. Maybe
1: so I got James Bond out of there. Okay, uh, I figured uh, if you wanted James Bond, you'd use his accent, and if you're trying to remove yourself from Sherlock Holmesy and you wanted this Southern guy, then uh, he was not the person to cast for it. Okay, so, so that was my my rationale, and so I was trying to think of somebody who could pull off a ridiculous accent. Uh, and I think he may go a little too goofy with
0: it, uh, but uh, I went with George Clooney. Yeah, I mean Clooney has that like goofy nature to him sometimes in like Cohen Brothers movies and stuff, where he could, I could see him doing that.
1: Could he rein it in? I wanted to rein it in a bit,
0: but I think George Clooney would have would have fit that that role. I think Clooney doing that voice would have made me think he's dumb, whereas Daniel Craig I think still has that era or aura of while he still has the accent still being smart and Clooney. I think I, I would have, I would have tipped way over to the other side, which would have been fine. Cause I wanted him to be dumb. <laughs> right. Exactly. For your purposes, <laughs> that works perfectly. Okay. So for my casting change, I, I am going to double down on this because I, I don't have anything. I, I don't have an option for somebody I would take out because it either ends up being inconsequential or I actually thought the casting was spot on. So I'm violating one of our core rules, but I'm also doubling down because on what award I would give this movie, I'm saying it's the best cast of twenty nineteen and best casting job of twenty nineteen. Outside of sequels? Uh no. I think this was great. I don't I I think everybody fit perfectly what their roles were. So you're not getting any credit for in game? No,
1: nope. Better than in game? Or are you saying in game doesn't count? I'm
0: saying in game doesn't really count. Those of those casting that's why, decisions. That's were why made. I just ask you. There's sequels oh okay. Then, yes. oh okay, yeah. Sequels are well, no, because sequels could be more than than that. Like you can add new characters and do all that. In game doesn't really add anything new. It just uses all the characters that have been existing from other casting decisions. So, I in game is a totally different animal to me. Like, if you're saying, like, let's pick, I don't know, I'm trying to think of sequels that we've seen this year, but, like, John Wick 3. Like, if I, for some reason, really liked that they cast Halle Berry and all this other stuff, those would still count. I mean, obviously, you can't count Keanu as John Wick because that's an existing character, but Endgame is a totally different animal. So, I still think that this is the best cast of 2019. Everybody was just spot on. It's amazing that, like, Don Johnson's not even that big of a role in this movie, but, like, he fits. Better than Joker? Yes, because outside of Joaquin, I feel like you could probably swap out a lot of people there. What about Triple Frontier? (laughs) I'm pretty sure we could swap out everybody in that movie, and it wouldn't matter. Okay, here's
1: the one that might have a run for the money. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Again, I think outside of uh, Brad Pitt and Leo, you could probably swap out some people, like you know, did that have to be Margot Robbie? I mean, she didn't really do a whole lot. So I mean, she's fine, but like I could I feel like I could swap her out. I feel like each person here had enough of a little nugget. Like the kid looked like a little right wing Alex P. Keaton. Thirteen Reasons Why looked like a liberal college girl. Jamie Lee Curtis was the astute business. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you go through a Michael Shannon's got kind of a hot head. Like it, it all kind of just fit. Chris Evans, super arrogant. Like, I'm not saying that they were like just so amazingly perfect, but like if you think about the roles they were given, and I sat there and tried to replace them, I'm like, I, I don't know. This they all kind of just fit really well. Well, I don't like you sidestepping our question. Yep, that's why I doubled down that's once I figured out that I couldn't replace anybody.
1: <laughs> well, I went with uh,
0: worst accent of the year. <laughs> okay. Have you seen Logan Lucky? Lucky Logan. Uh, I think it's Logan Lucky, isn't it? Or is it Lucky? I, no, I think it's I, Logan Lucky.
1: Oh, well, now we have to figure that out. Hold
0: With on. C. Tates and Adam Driver yeah. and Daniel Craig doing a Southern accent?
1: i was sworn it was Lucky Logan.
0: Yeah. Is it? No,
1: Dang. you're right. Yes. Logan Lucky. <laughs> That's what I thought. Dang. Okay. <laughs> it yes, reminded me of that.
0: Okay. I did enjoy that movie, though. Which is funny I because I think uh, there's a joke in this one where he calls him CSI KFC, but then in Logan Lucky they call it... Uh, Ocean 711 which I feel like is a very similar joke. It is. Yeah. So if you like this movie, what would you like? Um I went with Murder on the Orient Express, something that we saw earlier wait, earlier this year or late last year. Well, last Close year. Enough. Okay. Uh I mean cuz it's you can tell, I mean he said it from the beginning. Uh and I've never really read Agatha Christie books, but I'm aware of them and the types of movies that they are and it's a murder. I mean it's a murder mystery that wears it on its sleeve. Like not just one of those, (laughs) you're going to hate me for this, but like along came a spider. I don't know why that popped in my head Um, or double jeopardy. You know, those kinds of movies where it's like a murder mystery, but like still modern and tries not to be, but like, this is an overt murder mystery. So murder on the Orient express, I think you would like.
1: Well, I picked that one thinking that you were going to pick clue, Uh, (laughs) but I picked more murder on the, on the Orient uh, mainly because it's a, you know, star-sided cast, you know, you bring in a bunch of names and then anybody could believably be be the, uh, the killer. But then yes. at the end, it's also kind of a weak ending. And so yep. that's why I thought it was uh, not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it because we're telling you to go watch it. But uh, it is a good,
0: I think it's a well-done movie um, mm-hmm. with, a, with a great cast as well. Yeah. Clue is the obvious one because it's such an overt mystery too but having just watched it last night it's just tonally so different like you don't even really watch it for the mystery you watch it for the comedy the hilarity ensuing yes exactly which has it's fantastic writing but there's a lot of writing in knives out that's kind of similar to clue where it's people doing things in the background or subtle things that are said that that's what makes it funny not that it's like overtly funny no i agree i agree it it definitely fits better with murder on the orient yep i'm with you all right. Well, that does it. Thanks everybody for listening. Carson, where can they find you on Twitter? At Carson Graff, G-R-A-F-F. You can find me at at TwoViewsGarrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials at at two views Movies, or you can email us at two views Movies at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen. We are there. If you are on Apple, though, leave us a rating and a review to help spread the word of the show. I believe next week, I'm going to say tentative because we're kind of up in the air, but it sounds like we're going to talk The Irishman. Yeah, the the miniseries. (laughs) Yes. Three and a half hours. What are people doing right now? Three and a half hours is excessive. (laughs) It will have to be chunked up. So We'll we'll see. Good Good old Marty. Marty Scorsese. Yeah, he's got the whole band together. He just needed to throw Leo in there because he's got Pesci and De Niro and Pacino. Just just throw in his boy Leo to have a little bit of a modern vibe. I don't know why he didn't. Maybe he is in the third or fourth hour of the movie. <laughs> sure, it just pops <laughs> in at the end. <laughs> All right, we will catch everybody next time. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? Bit of both? Bit of both!